We're in this series called Christ Has Come, and of course today, uh, December the 22nd, is the Sunday before Christmas, and of course we very intentionally have been focusing on Jesus and his birth these last couple of weeks. And I want to open up with a scripture in Romans, and then we're going to pray, and we'll get into it. Romans 8.34 says this, Who then is the one who condemns? No one. Jesus Christ who died, more than that, who was raised to life, is at the right hand of God and is also interceding for us. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this day, and we thank you, God, for the opportunity, Lord God, that you've given us today, Lord God, to hear your word. And our prayer today, Lord Jesus, is that, Lord, you would have your way in each of our hearts, Lord God, even as you speak to us, Lord God. I thank you for your ability to speak to every single one of us. Lord Jesus, we're here to honor you on your birthday, on the day that you were born. And uh, here we, we celebrate just a few days from now. And our prayer, Lord God, is Lord, we want to we treasure you. We want to honor you. We want to thank you. This amazing thing that you did to come and rescue us. Here's a trustworthy saying that deserves all acceptance. Jesus Christ came into the world to save sinners, of which I'm the very worst. And I thank you for your desire to come and to save people. Uh, Lord, we love you. I pray for the empowerment of your Holy Spirit to share what's in your word today. It's in your name I pray. Amen. So, you know, in this series, Christ Has Come, we've been looking at scriptures uh, in Matthew and um, others where we're just looking at the birth of Jesus in scripture, looking at the context. We've taken some time to really look at Mary and Joseph's life and what was it like for them to receive this gift and this great responsibility, I mean, raising the Son of God, like, I mean, can you imagine the pressure, right, of raising the Son of God? Where's Jesus? You know, and was Joseph, like, one of those really in tune, like, I'll find him, Mary, or was he like, he's the Son of God, he'll be fine? I don't know. I'd like to know when I get older, kind of like, what was what was their marriage like? And maybe they'll, they'll have it on, like, streaming in heaven, where we can just kind of watch, binge watch Jesus' birth and all those kind of things. I don't know, um, but you know, as we get into the word this morning, I want to share with you that, you know, all of us have a desire to be understood. You know what I'm talking about? Anyone who's married, you know what I'm talking about. You have a desire to be understood. <laughs> Not going that far today. Um, we'll save that for another series. Um, but, you know, we all want people to know where we are and what we've experienced, and to have an empathy. We have to be careful with that because we don't want sympathy and, and, and unhealthy pity. But empathy says, I feel and I understand what you're feeling, and I appreciate that and I respect it, right? And today we're going we're gonna to look into Scripture, and we're going to look into Jesus and his birth. And I want to paint a picture for you about how much he understands and all that he really understands and to do that i want to open up first in john chapter 1 verse 1 and i want to read you the story of jesus's birth that we don't typically read on christmas morning I know about you but a lot of us have a some of us have this uh, tradition where we'll read luke chapter 2 on christmas morning very appropriate um, this if you have a very intense household and like you're just trying to wrangle everyone in you want to read this Christmas story, okay? So this is, if you will, another telling from another gospel of the birth of Jesus. John chapter 1, verse 1. Now, I've got to tell you, 
this is not like, and they came into Bethlehem kind of scripture. This is, if you know, like bass in the background, the lights dim, flashing. Like this is the drama. This is the, you know, smoke filling the room kind of telling of Jesus' birth. It says, in the beginning was the word. And the word was with God and the word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him all things were made. Without him nothing was made that has been made. In him was life. And that light was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness. And the darkness has not overcome it. I'm going to go to verse 9. The true light that gives light to everyone was coming into the world. He was in the world. And though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. He came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. Yet to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Children born not of natural descent, nor of human decision, or of husband's will, but born of God. The word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. And we have seen his glory The glory of the one and only Son who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. You see, this is a telling of the birth of Jesus, just a little bit more dramatic and from a little bit more of a historical view. And the Word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. That's not like the baby Jesus story. That is the Jesus came kind of story. In this scripture, and find it interesting that it's John who wrote this scripture. John was very a disciple who was very close to Jesus. Like he knew Jesus as a person and like in walking and following Jesus, he had the discovery of who Jesus really was as he was revealing himself in that time. And so for John to write about like Jesus his pre-existence before anything was created, he was with God and he was God. Like, it'd be, it's quite a thing for someone to say. It's quite a revelation for someone to have. And then for him to speak about his role in creation, that the world was made through him. This is not Luke chapter 2, like baby Jesus in the manger kind of telling. Like he's part of creation and part of this, the pre-existence before anything was created, before time and all these things. He was with God and he was God and this mystery of the, of the Trinity. And when you read this scripture, you get this sense of his honor and glory. You get this sense of his purity, his holiness, which is like his, his set-apartness and how he's not, he's not um, normal but, but sacred, if you will, this amazingness. You get this sense of his power and his authority. And then it says, and the word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. What an amazing transition from his glory and his power and his pre-existence and all of these things. And then he made his dwelling among us, stepping down from all of that glory, stepping down from heaven and making his dwelling with us. 
And it sounded like this. Luke chapter 2, verse 1. In those days, Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world. This was the first census that took place while Quinarius was governor of Syria. And everyone went to their own town to register. So Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth in, in Galilee to Judea to Bethlehem, the town of David, because he belonged to the house and line of David. He went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married with him and was expecting a child. When they were there, a time came for the baby to be born, and she gave birth to her firstborn son. She wrapped him in clothes and placed him in a manger because there was no guest room available for them. You know, when I read this story, I feel like I'm reading it from like a totally different place. It's like it takes me to this like very... Very simple place at Bethlehem, this like quaint little town and a young couple getting ready to start their lives together. Elizabeth and I were celebrating our 23rd anniversary yesterday and I was, we were looking at the wedding album and like 23 years ago, like looking at that wedding album and it's like, she looks so the same. It's amazing. And I'm just looking and I started sending pictures to a couple people that were in the wedding album, and I said, this was 23 years ago, and one of them were the, the flower girl and the ring bearer, and you know they're like grown adults with families and stuff like that. I was, sent it to their parents, and another young lady who's a pastor in one of our sister churches, I sent her pictures, and she goes, I remember that day. It was like, and I just, when I think about this young couple and what they took on, and we've talked a lot about this over the last couple weeks, I think of how Jesus truly took on the human experience, like fully. I, I thought so many times, I thought, like, if I was going to do what Jesus did, I would, like, shoop, like, just show up about 19. You know what I'm talking about? Ripped. <laughs> you know, I mean, abs. Now I'm really dreaming. But, <laughs> you know, like, like, he truly took on the human experience, and he understood the frailty of life. He understood what it was to be vulnerable. He understood hardship and struggle. And I, I wonder, like, growing up, did, did Joseph and Mary say, you know, when we, when we had you, we didn't even have a place to stay in Bethlehem. And, you know, it was shortly after that, a couple years later, we had to flee to Egypt because they were out to, to, to kill the children. And, and the Lord gave your father a, a dream, and we had to flee to Egypt. And then later he gave us a dream, and we were able to move back to Nazareth. And, like, to have those experiences as a child and to grow up and to, to know those things, like, he really knew what it was to have that human experience and to lay down his glory and his majesty and, and all in his, if you will, his temporarily like laying aside his God powers. He wasn't any less God, but he, he laid them aside to be fully human, if you will. And to do all of that, to take up the earthly. And what he laid down was he laid down that honor and he would end up taking up our shame. And he laid down that purity and that holiness and he ended up taking up our guilt and our sin. And he laid down his power 
in his majesty, and he, if you will, became powerless on the cross. Not that he was without power, but he laid it aside. It said he could have called a legion of angels, but he didn't, so that he could take our powerlessness upon him. And he took these things to the cross. Romans eight thirty one says this. What then shall we say in response to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? Now, I want you to know this morning, God's love for you is greater than you have ever known or ever experienced. It's better than your capacity to understand. And his desire for you is that you would know that he is for you. He, it doesn't change his nature and who he is as creator and authority. And he has a way of doing things, a way that he's designed things that work. But his love for you has never been in question. And the fact that he is for you is so demonstrated in Jesus. It continues. I'll read that verse again. What then shall we say in response to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all. How will he not also, along with him, graciously give us all things? Who will bring any charge against those whom God has chosen? It's God who justifies. Who then is the one who condemns? Who then is the one who condemns? No one. Christ Jesus who died, more than that, who was raised to life, is at the right hand of God and is also interceding for us. Who shall separate us from the love of God, Christ? Shall trouble or hardship or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or the sword? Now, if God is for us, who can be against us? You know, it says he didn't spare his own son. Taking our shame and our guilt and our powerlessness, raised to life, then he brings us his honor. Raised to life. He brings us his purity. Raised to life, he brings us his empowerment to live so that we're no longer powerless. What shall separate us from the love of God? What I I love about this picture is that now, like in the present, it says that Jesus is at the right hand of the Father making intercession for you, which is a very fancy way of saying he's coming in between us and the Father and he is praying for us. Jesus is praying for you. I mean, I tell you what, I've had a lot of people pray for me over the years and there's some go-to people I have in my life. Like, I'm like, you know, like I know who to call when this is going on. I know who to call. You know what I'm talking about? But the thought that Jesus is making intercession for you and the reality is he understands. And the thing that I, I, hope, to, uh, I hope that I'm explain, showing you in Scripture this morning is he understands the universe. He understands it all. I mean, he was part and parcel to creation and, and making all things that were. And he's part of that, the Godhead, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Like, he is so powerful and so glorious and so majestic like he understands how everything works and he understands your life 
because he entered in to humanity. Starting in the womb. Birth. Knowing, learning to, you think about Jesus, learning to walk. Isn't that a crazy concept to think about? But like, he took on all of humanity, and he didn't get born in a palace. He got born, if you will, in a stable. Like he, like the way that he took on humanity, he didn't take the silver spoon route. He took a difficult route. Like he didn't, like, what I want you to know this morning is he understands. He really understands. And I think sometimes we think when we're praying that maybe he doesn't understand. And when we think about, well, he's all-knowing, and, uh, you know, of course he understands, right? Yet, and it's true, but I find it helpful sometimes to think about the fact that, no, he experienced humanity. He took it on himself and walked it out, and he watched his aunt get sick or he watched uh, i'm making things up he watched people go through things and he was part of a family that had their struggles and their moves and their oppression and the things i mean he he understands what it is to grow up human and then after having that experience and all the ministry that he did to, sh- to show that he was here to bring us life and life more abundantly. That the purpose that for his coming was to bring us out of darkness and to bring us into his marvelous light. After, after showing that through his teaching and preaching and miracles and all the things that he, that he did. After all of that, he said, now I'm actually going to do what I came to do. All your sin all your shame, all your brokenness and powerlessness, I'm going to take it up to the cross and do my Father's will. What kind, what kind of love could ever compare to that? And what kind of understanding? Like, not only does he understand, but like, he felt our shame. He felt our sin. He sensed our powerlessness. And took it on the cross. What an amazing love. What an amazing God. To come. And do all those things. And then. To overcome them all. To overcome them all. And now. He prays for us. With that picture of his glory. And majesty. That picture of his humanity. And frailty that he took on. Upon himself. And I think. Who more qualified to intercede than Jesus for you and for me? I want you to know that he understands today. No matter what you're walking through, no matter what you're experiencing, he understands in his omniscience and his glory and his power, but he also understands humanity and brokenness and what those things mean. He understands what you're going through. And I want to tell you this morning, in your life, if, there are, if you're in a place where Maybe there are some difficulties in front of you and there's some things that you're trying to overcome and things that you're trying to get through. I want you to know that Jesus is willing to bear the heaviness and the hardship and those kind of things and to bring you through those things. Sometimes we're going through life and we're trying to just 
be good people. And Jesus is looking for you to follow him and to know him. He's not, he's not trying to look at just the list of the do's and the don'ts and being good people. He has uh, this desire of a relationship with you and to, to walk with you and to carry you through and for you to be able to lean on him and to know him. It's a, such a personal thing. And if you're in the place today where maybe the reins of your life, the authority of your life is in your own hands, and you're at the place where you go, it's really not working. That, that is why Jesus offers you new life and offers you a way to follow him. And it's, it's not a complicated thing. It'll cost you everything, even though he's paid the, the full price. What I mean by that is we take the reins of our life and we put it into God's hands and we say, I don't want to be in charge anymore. You've given me a free will And I am yielding that will to you and putting the reins of my life in your hands. And I trust you to be the leader of my life. You are my creator. You've demonstrated your love for me. You have a plan of salvation for me. And whatever plans and purposes you have for my life that are in front of me, they're safer in your hands than they are in my hands. And I just want to encourage you, if if you're not in that place, if you haven't done that, I just want to encourage you because it really does change everything. I don't want to paint a picture like life is so easy, but it is brand new. And you have this new life and this new faculty and the empowerment of the Holy Spirit comes in your life. And the the shame falls off of your life and the guilt falls off of your life. And there's this new freedom to follow him. And it is the greatest journey you can ever experience. I have played both sides of that of that that scenario and i have to say following him is far better far better because everything that makes me truly rich in my life came from following him i mean that so sincerely in my life all the best things in my life came from following him and i'm so thankful and i just want to encourage you this this christmas would you consider how much he understands And how passionate he was to step down out of glory into humanity for you, only to go to a cross, but then to raise again victorious and to carry the hardest hardest parts for you to offer new life for you. Isn't he such a good God? Would you stand with me this morning?